You could have the most viral posts. You could have the best post possible, 10K likes, million impressions per post. But if all of those people are landing on your profile and they have zero clue what to do, you will not be converting. today because you've been very um, effective and prominent and just a rising star within LinkedIn as a content creator, so much so that your content's been featured. And of course, I know you and then I see your posts and I was thinking, this person has a very unique and different approach on how to grow on LinkedIn. Of course, you've expanded to add more things to it, but maybe we can start there. And, and for the record, Jay, I'll just go with Jay from this point forward even though that's not your official name. For people who don't know who you are, can you just give us a quick introduction and tell us a little bit of your background and then I'll get into the content. Awesome. Well, thank you for the introduction. And for the people listening, hey, my name is Yasmin, but everyone knows me as Jay from Hey Jay. Officially, I'm a copywriter, a brand strategist, and as of the last two years, a full-time, I'd say, LinkedIn creator and a LinkedIn coach. And I work with Fortune 500 companies and personal brands, trying to, you know, help them grow their following, grow their sales, specifically through LinkedIn, but also beyond. Love it. When you say you help Fortune 500 brands on LinkedIn, is there an army of people working with you or are you the person doing this work? No, I genuinely am. So it's funny enough, this week, I'm supposed to make an announcement of the first HeyJ employee. So it's literally just me. Um, it's, I'm a solopreneur through and through, and I do everything by myself, literally no help, not even a VA to handle my emails and my DMs, which gets kind of tricky because the engagement on my posts is just super high. Yeah. And I get a lot of DMs. I get a lot of, um, a lot of emails, but the good thing about my life is I hate sleeping and I don't sleep a lot at all. Uh, like I never have since high school. I've only been like averaging like four hours a day. If I do three, I'm fine. If I do four, it's perfect. If I do five, I'm flying. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, I genuinely, like you can ask anybody who knows okay. me. I don't sleep a lot and it's kind of beneficial in business just because I'm able to do more things both in life and in business. Like I'm able to be fully dedicated as a dad to my son. I'm able to be fully dedicated to my clients. I'm able to maybe take on a bit more workload than the average person. And the good thing is I enjoy what I do. So, you know, it's only a bonus that I don't sleep and I get to do more of what I enjoy to do. So when it comes to, you know, the Fortune 500s and, uh, you know, all the people, the amazing people I work with uh, over the years, I feel like the, the highest client count I had was 13 at one point. And that was wow. like my absolute limit. Like I was, uh, it was killing me. And right now I've toned it down completely, you know, zoned in on my role as a dad and business is genuinely second. It gets busy. Lots of things to talk to you about. And I, I do want to get to the business and why I think people want to really listen to this episode, mm -hmm. especially because I believe LinkedIn is one of the last few places, a, a social media place where you can actually make a dent. The, the algorithm and the reach is still fantastic. Of course, it's getting tougher every single day and it will be. And so I think 
if there's frontier for anyone to explore, if you want to grow your reach, your authority to build real relationships with people and also potentially onboard new clients, this is the place. So hang in there for that, everybody. But I do want to talk about a couple of different things. You have historically, you don't need a lot of sleep is what you're saying. Yeah. You can deal with five hours of sleep and, and you're, you feel fresh and you feel energized or is that just because you've tuned yourself to just survive on that amount? No, I genuinely don't need that amount of sleep. There was there was a research by some university out there. Uh, they were talking about chromosome this, chromosome that. Like, I have that one particular chromosome that allows me to not have to sleep at all. Like, my body doesn't need as much sleep. My recuperation, regeneration, whatever it's called, process during the night is much faster than the average person's. I make it sound more complicated than it is, Chris. Like, I just, I also hate sleeping. So it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a perfect thing. <laughs> You're saying so, very humbly, I'm genetically superior to all you people who need to sleep. I get it. <laughs> it's very cool. I love it. Pretty much, okay. but no. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. Okay. That's how they say. So, yeah. No. So when you go to sleep, do you fall into deep sleep immediately, go to REM and just get that kind of really restful, regenerative sleep? Yeah, pretty much. Sometimes yeah. even even uh, what I used to do at this period, like we, we touched upon the 13 clients at a time thing. Mm-hmm. I used to do two blocks of two hours. And it was, it was the craziest thing ever, but I functioned very normally. Wow. There was one very weird thing though, Chris. Every, like, like clockwork, every three months, I would have one day where I would just crash. Like my body would just crash and I would sleep for like 12, 13 hours. But that was all it took. One day, super long sleep. And then I was just right back into it. You know, the very low sleep frequency. It was crazy. Okay. Quick question here is how old are you right now? 31. Okay. I say 31 with hesitation <laughs> just because I'm about to be 32 in February. So Okay. You're officially still 31, man. Yeah, I'm officially still, still 31. 31. I agree. Okay. So what that means to me is you're still in your prime and your ability to recover quickly because I remember those days, especially when I was 19 years old, up until about, I think, 30, I could operate in a very little sleep. And and just like you, after three, four, five days of like very little sleep per, per night, I just need a quick re- recovery thing. But I realized long-term, it's probably not great for me. And unlike you, I do like to sleep. It's just, I willed myself to sleep less. So there's the difference there. But you mentioned something that I, I want to touch on, which is recently you switched your focus. You're a dad first and a business person second. Anything besides the birth of your son that triggered this? Was there anything, an awakening, an event, something happened? Um, just personal nature. I don't want to get into it, but every now and then on LinkedIn, I'll mention that I'm a single dad. Um, you know, say, but I spend every day with my son. He also spends time with his mom. But this is all to say that I'm very involved in his life and he's very involved in my life. So he comes first, everything else comes second. Mm. And that is how my days and my schedule and my business is literally structured. It's structured around my time with my son. If I have to spend, you know, from 10 a.m. up to 7 p.m. today with him, I will do zero work um, during the day. And every, every other part of my day is just going to be, you know, based on priority. Mm. How old is the little man? Oh, he's almost four. So we we share almost the same birthday in February. So I was, I was, I think at least 28 when I had him. So, you know, really good age for for the both of us. This is good to know because 
I think there are a lot more people out there that might be a single parent to have a little one mm-hmm. and trying to manage both their personal life and the professional life. And it seems like you figured it out where you can have that kind of flexibility with your schedule, with your work, such that you don't have to onboard so many clients and you get to create content when you want. And, and also it's aligned with what gives you joy. That's the whole mission behind the future is to help people uh, make a living doing what they love. So find what you love and then let's find a way to turn that into something that can sustain you long-term. It's really beautiful. And I think that's going to add a lot of context to what we're going to talk about today. Thank you, Chris. I, I can't stress that enough. It's really about finding joy in every day. And I feel like one thing for for single parents out there and for the, for the people who aren't even parents or who don't understand it, like being a single parent doesn't mean that the other parent doesn't exist. They're not alive. No, it just means that both of you are solo in, you know, your role as a parent. And his mom is still, you know, the greatest mom alive. I will always say that she's amazing with him. But, you know, I get to spend every day with him. She gets to spend every day with him. And he's just the most loved creature in the world. So to me, that just brings me joy. You know, he Mm -hmm. will never miss the love. And I will never miss the time with him, which a lot of parents, I feel like, regret, you know, in in, in the early, uh, late years. Yeah. In case you're listening to this, you might not get a visual. So I want to describe Jay's face to you. He has really dark eyebrows. And most of the times he's just, he looks like a, a very gentle spirit. He's always smiling. And now he's calling me his luscious beard. Do we have an ASMR you know, right here? Can't hear it. Even with that boosted audio, we still can't hear it. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a sweet spot on that thing is very narrow. All right. So he's a genuinely happy guy. And every time I see his post with his profile picture, he's smiling. He's looking right at the camera and he's smiling. These big round eyes. And so there's a genuineness to this that the person aligns with the content. And and it very much, I think, speaks to you finding your gift in this world, even though in a past life you're a teacher and, and, a, and an artist, right? There, there's something really cool about that. Okay, let's dive into it. There are a lot of people who are going to be listening and say, okay, this is about personal development. I want to grow on LinkedIn. And we can use these strategies that you've developed actually on other platforms too, but I just want to keep a focus on LinkedIn. Okay. Now you, you have a couple of things I pulled up from, from some of your recent carousel posts. So I'm just going to throw you what you said, and then you explain the concept. Okay. Well, we know this. Okay. There are probably like less than 1% of people who use LinkedIn to actively write content. So that means it's wide open for all of us, unlike these other super saturated platforms. You mentioned, let's learn how to write better. So the first thing you said is the hook method. So in order for us to read the copy, read the post, whatever it is that you're talking about, you got to bring the audience in first. What do I need to have an effective hook? Thank you. So I always say your hook is 90% of your good post. If it's a bad post, your hook won't matter. So A hook is 90% of a good post on LinkedIn, but a hook is only a tool to get you to read the rest of the post. So if the rest of the post doesn't follow the same energy or the same promise from the hook, it's going to fall apart pretty quickly. So what I, when I, whenever I explain and coach people how to write, the one lesson I give them about hooks is that the hook is a promise. Every single time people are scrolling through LinkedIn, you have to understand that no one is there to read your content. No one is there to find that particular post of yours. You will be interrupting someone's usage of the platform. They'll be scrolling and then they'll see something 
And what they're going to see is that first line, which we call the hook. So as the name entails, you have to hook them into reading the rest of the post. Now with LinkedIn, the trick is in about 90% of the cases, LinkedIn is only going to show you three lines of that post, including spaces. Meaning if you write a one-liner as your hook, which you should, I actually have data on this, your hook as a one-liner, then one empty space, and then another line, which I call the rehook. And I can explain what the rehook is. So you'll hear all sorts of advice as to how to write the perfect LinkedIn hook. You'll hear it has to have this many words. It has to have this many characters. It has to include numbers. It has to include a powerful word. And then you're going to get like a, you know, like an infographic of powerful words you can use. But that's too complicated for most people, especially people who don't have a background in marketing, content creation in general, writing in general. So I, as my headline suggests on LinkedIn, my, for those of you who are listening and watching this, my headline on LinkedIn forever has been, I make writing and LinkedIn easy for everyone. And that is genuinely what I try to do. So when I see advice in the wild that complicates the matter for people, I tried to simplify it to a point where everyone can do it. So the way I've simplified hook writing is with one question. The question you should ask when you're writing the start of your post is, what is the one thing that I want my reader to learn from this post? And I'll repeat, what is the one thing that I want my reader to learn from this post? If they could skip the entire rest of the post and they could just read that one line, what do you want to tell them in that one line? And a lot of the times, the answer to that question can be your hook directly. So for example, if I'm writing a post about a specific commenting strategy that I implement to um, gain new followers, to gain inbound leads and new clients, what is the one thing that I want you to know about that particular commenting strategy? I might tell you something like, this is the easiest commenting strategy you can apply today. And that is a perfect hook, Chris. Like that is literally a perfect hook. If you're scrolling and you see this is the easiest commenting strategy you can implement, or this is the easiest link, this is the best LinkedIn strategy if you want to attract new clients. Any variation of those. But what I'm giving you in that first line is the rest of the post immediately. No clickbait, no bait switching, no fake promises where I tell you something in the first line and then as you read through the post, it's something entirely different. No, my whole philosophy of writing hooks is the first line has to give me the post or at least it has to give me the gist of the post, which is what you know a lot of advice tries to complicate up to a point where it's this huge science. Writing is psychology. 90% of writing to me, and this is how I explain it to my students. I teach copywriting at the university. So teaching writing is something that I genuinely do and that I, something that I enjoy doing. Whenever I talk about writing, I say that writing is 90% psychology and 10% formatting and just basically catering it to the medium, like to the platform. It might be LinkedIn. It might be a video script for YouTube, whatever it is. So once you understand that you're interrupting somebody's scroll and you don't want to complicate their life today, you're just supposed to make it easy for them to see your post, 
to gain interest in your post and to read till the end of your post. That is when that statement, a hook is 90% of your post, makes sense. That is when it starts to make sense. When you actually make it easy for your reader, for that traveler in the feed, in the LinkedIn feed, to stop the scroll, to see your hook and be like, this is something for me and this sounds promising. Let me read till the end. Then and only then does the rest of the post matter. Not until then. The hook, if it does the job right, it makes a promise. And by the end of the post, it delivers on that promise. So one question is all you need. What is the one thing I want my reader to learn from this post? Trust me, every single time, guys, if you're listening to this, if you're writing your LinkedIn post, simply answer that question. As soon as you answer it, write it down. That's your hook. Sometimes you may be required to just shorten it, like just to fit a one-liner structure. You might be, you know, getting rid of certain words or just rephrasing it, but the gist of it is going to say the same. What is the one thing you want to teach in this post? That's your hook every time. Okay. I want to ask you about the rehook then. Okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't getting ready for a masterclass today in writing this <laughs> book. I'm always ready for that. Just joking. Yeah. So the rehook is something that I sort of devised last year. I genuinely don't know if someone used that word rehook. You may be the first person to coin it. I have no clue, but I'm happy to take yeah. credit for that. Yeah. So last year when I was figuring out how I actually write posts and the best structure that I've tested. I figured that every single time I write my second line, it is immediately connected to that hook. So I write my rehooks in two different ways. The first way is I add what I call heft to the first line. So if I make a promise, especially if it's a very good sounding, bold promise in the first line, Chris, like this is the easiest way. Like, let me actually pull up the post that I did today, Chris, because it was a really huge promise that I made in the post and was about commenting and inbound leads. Let me just pull okay. up the post really quickly. Give me three seconds, please. Take so time. I said, this is the easiest way to find clients on LinkedIn. This is the easiest way to find clients on LinkedIn. As a rehook, what you can say to add heft to that is attack a client objection. What is a, a typical objection you might hear from people when you tell them this is the easiest way to gain clients on LinkedIn, right? It's, it may be about time. It may be about effort. It may be about, you know, money investment, monetary investment. And then what you can say in the second line as a rehook to add a heft to your first line is without dollar sign, zero investment. This adds heft to your first line where you make a promise, but then you immediately crush the main objection that a reader might have. The analogy that I like to make between the hook and the rehook is the hook gets you in the room. It makes it interesting, but the rehook slams the door behind you and it keeps you reading till the very end. And from what I know about hooks and rehooks, at least my analysis is whenever people read the rehook, they actually stay till the end. Like, you could, use, you could easily use heat mapping software and just check who reads the first line, who reads the second line. I guarantee you if they're reading that second line and if you did write it really well, they're going to stay till the very end. The vast majority of people, they're going to stay till the very end. So the rehook, that's one way to write it. Add heft to it. Basically add something that crushes 
a reader's objection. But the second way is purely psychological. Say something totally opposite of what you just said. So I like to give this example, Chris, and because it's a perfect example. I, I give, give, give this example a lot in my workshops. The hook is LinkedIn is the number one business platform in the world. That's my hook. Pretty okay. agreeable, right? Pretty, mm -hmm. pretty interesting for people to, to find in their feed. But then the second line that I'll write is, but it is the worst platform to sell your products. Those two things are completely opposite. Like how can a platform be the best, the number one, but also the worst? Then I will immediately jump into explaining what that means. LinkedIn is the best business platform, but it is the worst because you can't just jump on the platform and sell immediately. And then I would give you seven steps on how to build trust. You have to start posting content, devise a really good content strategy for your ideal ICP, ideal customer profile. You have to do this consistently. You have to do this for months. You have to dive and double down into commenting. You have to build relationships. You have to build familiarity. You have to build FOMO. You have to have like a minimum one month launch period. And then you sell. Now I made you a promise. I gave you something to think about with the opposite statement. And I've actually delivered on it. But it's a really cool psychological trick, Chris, when you tell people something that they believe in and then immediately say something completely opposite because it just, you know, for the lack of a better term, it catches them dead in their tracks. Meaning attention, step number one, that's the hook, but retention is the rehook. And I always say attention means nothing without retention, especially, you know, in online content. Everyone can read that first line, but how do you get them to read till the end? So these two methods of writing a rehook, first one where you add heft, where you um, address a common objection, and the, one, uh, the other one where you say something completely opposite. They both work really well. I'll just use them 50-50, you know, depending on how I feel that day, but they really work. They genuinely work. It sounds like they would work. I think the thing that you're doing is the promise can be sometimes broad in general. So mm -hmm. without either addressing a common objection or refining the statement by, by putting something that on the surface seems to be opposing it, you're going to then say, this ain't your regular post. Exactly. Right. It's like you can make a lot of money on LinkedIn and then you, you're like, the, the tested method has worked for 10,000 people. Like, oh, okay. Because everybody makes the same generic promise and that's okay. Mm -hmm. We understand that. And I like the way you write because you write very simply. You're not using big words. You're not making it complicated. But then you have to add something to it. Otherwise, it just seems like a lot of fluff. And there are a lot of fluffy posts out there. Oh, that, yeah. That are like true but useless. Like, I, I know, I know, but now what? And I love this opposing strategy because you're, you're basically building two walls around the subject in which you're going to talk about. So yes, it can do this, but don't do it for these reasons. Exactly. And I'll show you how. And then, then you dive into it. The bigger, the bigger reason, Chris, for this is I feel like you are speaking about a topic from an angle that they haven't heard before. Because the first line, they may have heard it in a different format before. But when you connect these two opposing ideas from your own point of view, it's like you can't Google this stuff. You can't make this stuff up. So they have to stick till the end. Again, the retention is really the, the bigger part of the game here. It's not attention in the hook. It's actually the retention. The retention is a huge craving for a lot of content creators, um, especially with long form content. Like, as you know, on YouTube, right? Like, it's not the views. It's actually the average view time, the dwelling time on a video. 
On LinkedIn, it's very much the same in the algorithm. Like 30 seconds dwell time is somewhat ideal as a bare minimum. And especially if like 70, 80% of your audience who's reading, who are reading that post spend 30 seconds minimum, that's when the algo is like, hmm, this is actually a quite interesting post. But if a very low percentage of your readers see the post and they don't spend much time on it, uh, for whatever reason, by the way, they could be spending time reading it or they could be spending time commenting on it or they could be spending time engaging with other people in replies. Either way, you have done your job at retaining people's attention. Yeah. So the rehook really does its job well when you execute it well, when you connect two opposing ideas or when you simply just address an objection up front. Since you brought up YouTube, it is quite literally the same thing. Mm. The two things you need to look at on YouTube if your video has any chance of working is your click-through rate of mm. a, a hundred or a thousand people who see this. How many of them will actually click on it? It's a combination of the title and the thumbnail, which I want to talk to you about. And retention of that video, what percentage did you retain the audience? And we see that they take a nosedive the first 30 seconds. And so if you're wasting time talking about things that aren't appealing to your audience, they're going to bounce and the video is going to not perform as well as it should. You mentioned the hook, space, rehook. We haven't talked about the image. Does the image matter? It absolutely does. Especially recently on LinkedIn. Uh, I just, I kid you not, Chris, I just sent a screenshot of my analytics to my buddy, Luke Matthews, best ghostwriter I know on LinkedIn. So I sent him a screenshot of my analytics and I explained how text only, because I am a writer primarily, right? And I'm still hell bent on using text only. Everyone's abandoned it on LinkedIn, Chris. Everyone, I maybe know like five creators in total who are only text only. They don't post images. They don't post videos. Text only, maybe carousels. But for the majority of LinkedIn creators, image images or image posts have become the standard and then some text. Text only is kind of like, no, it's going to get less engagement. It's less noticeable. And I'm like, yes, but you got to learn how to write better, right? So images really matter on LinkedIn. My strategy on images is you don't want to use a random image because that's when it starts to look like fluff. So I like to find a concept in my image. And this is purely psychological, Chris. I like to play this game with my content where I will find one thing in my image that I'm doing. It might be something in the image, like an animal, like a sunset. Um, I have a post maybe dropping tomorrow. I just had an interview at Bloomberg TV and I was in the makeup room and I took a photo. So my hook for that post is going to be, um, before you publish your next LinkedIn post, apply makeup. And I'm going to give you seven stages of writing a post and I'm going to connect it to like the foundation, the shading, the contour. So I'm connecting the image to the post itself. The other day I posted uh, myself on a stage speaking and the post was literally um, treat every LinkedIn post as if you're on stage. Basically, you are not reading your posts out loud. You're presenting them. And then it becomes a huge difference in what sort of words you use, what sort of length, you know, lines and sentences in general. So what I try to do with imagery is I don't just use random images, selfies, like photos that look good. I will try to connect my textual part to the image. And it is so subtle, Chris, but it makes the reader feel like the image is there for a reason. So 
I, I once posted a selfie with a baby goat. <laughs> like I kid you not, if, if you guys are listening, you can go to my LinkedIn and there's an actual selfie with an animal and it's a baby goat. I, I also made a reference there uh, to the goat as well. There's, there's all sorts of things you can do when you post an image. But the one thing you should never do is just post it completely out of context just because you heard or you know, oh, image plus text performs better for the algo. So I will just keep cranking out images just because it performs better. At a certain point, people are going to see through it and it's going to look like fluff and your engagement is going to start to go down. Like inadvertently, it will for sure. Because you're a writer first and I'm a designer first, we have slightly different approaches to things, but it's kind of interesting to hear the crossover here. It's clear to me that you're a person who's thought about this a lot, who's taught it to other people and, and presumably have created some, some other amazing content creators out there other than yourself. Because we see the proof in what you do. If a person were sitting there thinking, well, I was in the Bloomberg studio and I didn't apply makeup, so I don't have that photo, but I want to talk about this thing and I don't have that image to go with it, is it better off that I post no image and just leave it as text-based or go and try and find an image that's a metaphor for the story I'm about to tell? So in my experience, if you don't use your face in the image, like your particular face, that particular post is going to take a nosedive. Like, I'm not saying this is generally across the board. You'll see posts without people face, people's faces go viral all the time. But on average, in my experience with the people that I worked with, with the companies that I work with, with the brands that I work with, if you don't include your face in the image of your post, it's not going to work that well. So my advice to people, if you don't have a lot of photos, genuinely try to take some photos of yourself. Because I run into that issue with my clients that I coach a lot. They really want to post photos of themselves, like, but they don't have any images. There is tools out there. I don't know if we should plug any tools, but like AI right, right now. Right. I recently used Sectalabs. I think it's sectalabs.ai. And what you do is you upload like 20, 30 images of yourself, like of your headshots, of your face, different expressions, different outfits, whatever you have. It could be selfies. And what it'll do is it'll create really realistic, really professional headshots in totally different scenarios, totally different outfits, different facial expressions. My current profile image on LinkedIn is an AI-generated photo. A lot of people don't know. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm going on LinkedIn right now. Let me double check this. Check Keep it going. out. Check yeah. it out. But it is generated by Sectalabs AI. And I've, I've even posted AI-generated images uh, like of my own, like headshots. And people didn't notice just because it was so realistic. So to those people, I say, I'm normally, when it comes to writing, I'm usually an anti-AI guy just because I'm still not impressed. But when it comes to all the other stuff, design, mid-journey, what it can do, my goodness, it's so good. It's like eons ahead of, of writing um, AI. So for, for the graphic part, if you don't have a lot of photos of yourself, guys, just ask AI to create you some. Um, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. I swear, looking at this photo, it looks like every other photo that you post of yourself. How is this AI? What are you talking so about? So now you're wondering which one of the other ones are real, right? <laughs> are the eyebrows a little bit different? I mean, I, mm. it's, it's you. It looks just like you. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's that good. It's that good, Chris. Yeah. A, visual AI, to me, it's like years and years and years ahead of writing AI. Mm. At least in okay. 2023 right now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how it, we, it can learn from images faster than it can learn from mm -hmm. writing. That's wild. Okay. So let me just quickly recap. We all know this from, from basic copywriting. 
that if you don't have them in in your hook or the headline, you have no chance of them reading anything else. And you have a couple of strategies. You gave us two examples already, how you have the hook, and then you could challenge that by adding an objection that you answer or by stating the opposite, seemingly opposite things so that it becomes like, oh, this is very intriguing. This is unlike the other fluffy posts that I'll read. And you need to have an image, preferably of your face, relevant to what you're writing about and be very intentional in that. So I have a, I have a broader question for you. Clearly, you're dominating on LinkedIn and you're taking a very intentional approach built around the foundation of you as a copywriter and your skill set. I have to ask you this. I don't put that much thought into it. And you're probably like, yeah, bro, I checked out your post. I know. I'm now wondering about write. the question. I just write, you know, I'm like, and I figured out something about myself. When I write in a conversational tone, when I just want to tell a story, it, it flows pretty naturally and generally people like to read it. Now I could have some kind of confirmation bias because I already have a decent sized audience. People will show up so they could be skewing my data. So am I just lucking my way through this? Because I don't put that same kind of thought. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to confess to our audience right now. In one of your posts, you write about formatting and cadence. One, two, one, two, one, or one, three, one. Three. I went back and changed one of my posts just to see. And I'm putting artificial like line breaks just so that visually it looks like one line, three lines, one line, three lines. And I'll, I'll tell you later if it, if it actually boosts engagement on an older post. We'll see. Just did put it? it out there. So I'm trying. Did it? I took a bunch of notes. That's what I did. And I'm going to mm. apply moving forward to kind of, and I'll report back to you. All right, you're right. I did it like this. And then now it's, you know, significantly improved. And of course, I'm sure because you spent way more time thinking about it. Like I think about Instagram and, and YouTube. I don't think about LinkedIn as much. Oh, yeah. I'm fairly confident it will work. I'm, I'm like a yeah. mad scientist when it comes to LinkedIn, Chris. I genuinely yes. am. Like, I believe you. You'd be surprised like what sort of things I test that I don't even talk about <laughs> in the content. Like how many pixels will it take up if my line is just one letter, one character too long? Will it fall into a second line and then I will have this weird dangling word in a second line. Like I analyze those sorts of things and then I sort of know exactly where to cut off my first line and things like that. Like I, I analyze image resolutions. Four by five, by the way, for everybody listening, four by five is the best image resolution if you're posting it. Three by four works as well, but it's slightly more elongated. Four by five is much better on LinkedIn, um, at least in my experience. And uh, right. one by one, just nah, it's not the same. It works, but it's nah, vastly, vastly weaker. Yeah. You're taking up more screen real estate when you use that aspect ratio four by five. Exactly. And that's key in the scroll. I always tie back to psychology, Chris, honestly, because yeah. when you just think about it, the way we use our phones, and especially as you're scrolling content through LinkedIn, if yeah. your post is slightly shorter, so if we're talking height for the listeners, if it's slightly shorter, the previews post and the post right after yours will also show up. So your screen will actually be showing three posts. So your audience never actually have their full attention on your post. <laughs> but if you use, you see, see the, see the things that I'm actually analyzing. Yes. Chris? So if you're actually using a slightly taller aspect ratio, like a four by five, which is kind of perfect, it's not too yes. long. Then what you get is you don't get the, uh, the post before you or the post after you. You're actually front and center. You're the star of the show. You're the star of the screen. So right. 
things like that. It's, it's just super weird, the things that I actually analyze, but it works. It, it actually allows me to coach people much better, Chris, honestly, just because I do pay attention to the little things like the rhythm, like the cadences uh, that right. you were just talking about. It, it, it genuinely helps me keep things interesting. And I just, I know I don't sound generic in my, in my tips and strategies. So I, I love it for that. Yeah. Clearly you're a nerd when it comes to this stuff or oh, yeah. a geek. You're, you're looking at every little aspect. And so when you're saying, when you use a four by five aspect ratio, they can see your hook, your, the space, the rehook, and that, and nothing else. So there's no distractions. This is going to give your post the best chance, the optimal chance of see, being seen by people and increasing your retention, right? Exactly. Exactly right. Okay. So you are leaving nothing to chance. There's this really mm. good book about website design, UX, UI, don't make them think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of my favorite books. Um, it's technically a marketing book. So it's one of my favorite books because the psychological principle of don't make them think is the founding principle of good copywriting. Everything has to be super clear. And if your hook is not clear, people are going to have questions. People might not be reading or people might have their own interpretation of it. This is why the rehook, when it comes into play and you ditch all of those objections, you're not making them think. Or if we're talking about optimizing your LinkedIn profile, um, I, I worked with some creators much bigger than myself uh, as far as following goes, Chris. And you'd be surprised at how little money people are making on LinkedIn just because their profile doesn't have a specific or clear action a clear click, as I like to call it. And then when they, you know, come to me for, you know, for, for assistance, for guidance, for coaching, it's like, hey, Jay, I have all this following, 400, 500K, but I'm not making any money. And then I take one look at the profile and I ask them, well, what do you want your audience to do? When, like your profile visitor, when they're on your profile, what do you want them to do? And it's like, oh, I have this mastermind, the cohort. And I'm like, well, where is it? Oh, it's on my website. It's on my email list. I'm like, you got to communicate that front and center clearly in your banner, in your profile link, in your featured section, in all the right places. Just because then your profile becomes a landing page. And I'll always say this and I'll die on this hill. You could have the most viral posts. You could have the best posts possible, 10K likes, million impressions per post. But if all of those people are landing on your profile and they have zero clue what to do, you will not be converting. You will have to do some sort of outbound and convince people and give them additional information and, you know, persuasion, but you shouldn't like outbound is good. Outbound is effective, but you should not do it. If you have, you know, a very well optimized LinkedIn profile at your disposal, which we all can do. It's quite simple to optimize a profile. That's at least my approach. There's other approaches. You, you just had your guest, Richard Moore, a really good buddy of mine. And he and I also had a LinkedIn audio live event, uh, some months ago. And both of us have a different approach to LinkedIn. Right. You know, his is a bit more sale. I don't want to say salesy. He's not it's that sales. salesy. No, it's sales driven. Yeah, it's sales driven and it's outbound. But for me, it's like the complete opposite. I never do any outbound. It's completely inbound. Because for me, the equation is number one, I need to have a perfectly optimized profile for my target audience. And step number two is I write posts that do really well so that then all of the traffic that I get on my profile, people know exactly what to do. I don't have to do any outbound. I really don't. So it's two different approaches, but they both work. My question is just in regards to your time and your investment, like which one can you afford? And, you know, a lot of folks that I know that I work with, they don't have the time to do outbound. Right. So 
it, it makes sense for me to teach them how to write better. Like my mantra, Chris, like for the last 13 years, this is my 14 year now in marketing. My mantra has always been write better, sell better. Mm. And I genuinely mean that. If you can write better content on LinkedIn, doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's visual content like YouTube, you're still going to write the script. I'm still holding my um, beard comb in my hand. <laughs> Even if you're, even if you're writing a script, safety, safety for your, blanket. yeah. Even if you're writing a script for your YouTube video, it's still writing. You're still right. writing words. Even if you're preparing a speech for a conference, a presentation, it's still writing. And ultimately, it doesn't have to mean sell, as in get money. It has to. Mean, it it could also mean get people to buy into an idea, to buy into right. an opinion, uh, you know, thoughts, school of thought, whatever. So yeah, write better, sell better. That's been my mantra since day one and I'm sticking to it till day 100,000 million gazillion. <laughs> <laughs> that started stronger than you finished it, but I, yeah, I know I what know. you mean. I didn't know how to finish <laughs> That's it. your story and you're sticking to it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to our conversation. We're talking about hooks. And so I have respect for both of you guys. And maybe I have a third approach too. So there could be a million different approaches. And I think a lot of it will be based on the person's intention. Yep. So if you're more sales driven, okay. The analogy I would make is I think Richard's approach is more like spear diving. Uh, they go in the ocean and it's a lot of work and it can be bountiful, but you have to learn how to hold your breath and it, it can get dangerous. Your approach is I'm going to put a bunch of crab traps in the water or something like that. And every once in a while I'm going to come back and pull it in and there something's in it or something's not. If you have a full pot and if you, if you write better, you'll sell better. I have, I have a selfish question for you since mm. I'm not as intentional as either of you. Take a look at my profile, will you? On LinkedIn. Hmm. Tell so, me how are, I'm screwing up on my bio because I am terrible. Are we doing? Are we doing roast the post or roast the profile? Roast the post. Uh, just the truth. The truth is all that matters. Wait, let, I think our let, audience let, always enjoys when an expert comes on and rips me apart. Give and me one second. I, I'm actually not even kidding. I'm going through my DMs. Uh, <laughs> once it's it's it gets crazy in the DMs, Chris. Like recently, I, I just while I'm opening up your profile, I'll I'll tell you something. Recently, I had this very weird bug on my LinkedIn where. After 48 hours, messages will, messages will just stop appearing and I will get messages from 2020. So messages uh, from 48 hours of age up until 2020, they don't exist. So only the last two days is what I can see. But it, it, see. It, has, it has calmed down right now. But I had this super weird bug and now a lot of people are just coming back and following up. So loads mm. of DMs. So anyhow, I'm on your profile, Chris. Helping left-brainers think right. Trademarked. That's the headline. That's the founding intro of the headline. And then it says, I help creatives build businesses and businesses build brands. Top 20 ranked marketing podcast. Okay. So from a clarity standpoint, the first part is super creative, not that clear. 
So helping left brainers, <laughs> you, you wanted a roast session. So here we go. No, I, I just want the truth. You don't have to roast there me, but you I, I hear you. So Creative, but not clear. Helping left brainers think right. Like I get it. It sounds smart, but I would have to ask a bunch of questions to understand what it really means. Yeah. Or I would have to watch a bunch of content, whether on YouTube or on, you know, read your carousels and your posts on LinkedIn to understand what it actually means. Because right now, just based on the the statement itself, I don't know what it means. It sounds Perfect. cool. It sounds cool, but it's like no one knows what it means, but it's provocative, right? That's what it is at the moment. So what I would okay. do if I were in your shoes, just yes. if you were, but but there's also an approach here, right? I assume you're not one you know, you're, you're not an individual who's looking to rapidly onboard new clients. You're not in a desperate need to gain new clients. Exactly. So, but if you were, which a lot of people are, like they're yeah. looking to expand their business. They're looking to build their business. Let's pretend business. like you're I working, am. I need some business. I got to keep the doors exactly. open. You're working with yeah. a lot of people in the future groups and the future pro and the accelerators. So for yes. a lot of those individuals, sales would be a much bigger metric versus growing a following and growing thought leadership, brand authority. Yes. I assume that's yes. the goal for you right now, brand authority and thought leadership versus sales. So in right. your case, it makes sense, even though it's like Chris is relying on his popularity because a lot of people already <laughs> follow him and a lot of people already kind of know what helping left brainers think right means. So he's sticking to it. Yes. But for a lot of the new visitors who don't know you, who might not right. have ever seen you or heard your name, they 99%, I'm, not, I'm never going to say 100%, but they will for sure not know what it means okay. exactly until they listen to or they watch or they read your content. So in your case, I would actually put, I help creatives build businesses and businesses build brands. This is much clearer. And this okay. is much more purpose-driven, much more sales-driven. I would put that first. Okay. And right now, it's clear. But then if you want to use the trademark phrase, I will put that at the end of your headline. Okay. Like I will put that for the people who are already clicking on the profile. Here's why. There's actually an, a fairly algorithmic background to this, Chris. Okay. Your headline is actually the most visible, the most frequently shown part of your LinkedIn profile. A lot of people don't know this. Your headline appears everywhere. Parting the DMs, everywhere. It appears when you're in the feed and you post something, there will be your avatar, your name, and your headline. When you're commenting, whether on your post, whether you're replying on other people's comments, it will also show your avatar, your headline, and your, um, your name. Even in the little recommendations in the right um, side of the screen on LinkedIn, you get those recommendations and the ads on the right side all the time. The headline will also be shown. Your headline is crucial prime piece of real estate of your profile. But LinkedIn cuts it off at 45 characters in most cases. In other places where the screen is a tad bit longer, like a tablet screen or a, let's say I'm using a 13-inch MacBook, let's say 17 or a 16-inch, LinkedIn might show 55 characters, but 45 characters is, a, is the sweet spot. Just because you are allowing people to understand what you do and how you can help them without even clicking on your profile. One less click. Don't make them think. That's the whole philosophy. But if I read a phrase that's sort of catchy and then I have to click on your profile and then I still have to do work, Chris, you're making me work for it, right? And for a lot of new followers and new clients, they don't have that kind of time or they just, they just don't care because they feel like you didn't convince them enough. You didn't persuade them with your clarity and your 
super cool messaging. Because right now, the way it's structured, I feel like the copy is good. It's just that it's in the wrong places. So if you were a bit more sales driven, if you were to say tomorrow, I want to onboard some new clients for blind, or I want to onboard some new members for, you know, future, future pro, I would put, I help creatives build businesses and businesses build brands in the first place, in the first place of the headline. And then the helping left brainers think, right, I would move it somewhere else in the headline. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, you know, high level feedback for the headline specifically. But then we also have the banner, Chris, which is the visual part. So do it. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) here's the thing. You're missing actually something in your headline when compared to your banner, Chris. So your banner is all about your future pro community. You have three groups uh, based yes. on, you know, their, their business stages. I know, I follow you, I follow the groups, I follow the sessions. And you have the accelerator group, you have the pro group, and then you have the brand lab for the, you know, it's a mastermind for, for you know, really good business owners already. Right. The thing is, you're not mentioning your cohorts, your coaching, your groups anywhere in the headline. You're just saying, I help, you know, Creatives build businesses and businesses build brands, but you're not mentioning any of the future pros, the groups, the masterminds, Mm. anywhere. I would include that in the headline right after that statement. So you're instead mentioning top 20 ranked marketing podcast, which again is nowhere to be found. When we're we're just talking, when we're just looking at the combination of the banner and the headline, they need to work in unison. They are, this is a landing page, essentially. So if I'm looking at your banner and there's one promise and then I look at your headline and it's a totally different promise, they're not aligned. I'm getting mixed messaging. But if your headline is about the community and the groups or join the cohort, join the group, or you could just have a line that says applications close December 7th, whatever. It immediately is tied to the banner. Uh, Right now, these groups are nowhere to be found. And I have to then again do the thinking or do the research somewhere else on your profile uh, in order to find out what exactly is the future pro, what exactly is the future accelerator, so on and so forth. So clarity is truly the number one thing on your profile. You'd be surprised how much, like how in tune we are with our own brands. I feel like this is the common, you know, everlasting thing in, in copywriting and marketing, um, especially, you know, product owners, software developers, they know their products all too well. And then when they are presenting that product, they're presenting it from their own point of view. Because you know your product, sure, you understand it, you know how it works, you know what the first step is, the second step is, but your audience doesn't. So you have to approach it from their point of view. Because right now, the point of view, if I'm your visitor on your profile, I see two different messages in the banner and in the headline. And they sort of need to be connected a little bit better. So just a hint, a whiff, a mention, a reference to the future pros in the community would be a much better addition to your profile when compared to the top 20 ranked marketing podcast. I ditched that completely from the headline. Got it. Makes sense? Thank you. Yes. Look at that. Hit refresh and you'll see. <laughs> did, you, did you already make the changes? I already changed it. Man, you're quick. Let me see. Let me see. Just tell me if it's terrible or not. Wait a second. I, I don't see anything, actually. It's not oh, really? refreshing for me. Maybe LinkedIn is okay. just buggy. Mine's already changed on my page, so. Ah, there we go. See, much better, Chris. Much better. breaks better, you know? It's kind of weird. I'll, I'll invoice you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. 
Well, I, I wanted to use a real case scenario because a lot of times when we talk about concepts, people are like, yeah, yeah, I get it. And then they go back to their things like, I don't get it. What am I doing? And I have to tell you, for 2024, I really want to focus on the marketing aspect. I do a lot of brand building, goodwill stuff. And then it's like, well, why aren't we catching up to this company in terms of the revenue? And it's because we're missing fundamental things. And all my friends who are consultants in different spaces, they, they're like hitting their head on the wall. It's like, if I had your audience, Chris, if I had your engagement, you know what I could do? I'm like, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm just bumbling my way through it. So it's really neat to hear you talk about these things and to be able to apply it specifically. Okay, so obviously, if you're just listening to the podcast, you you now have a, a mini masterclass in terms of what you need to do. And the key to all of this is if you just sit on it, nothing will change. So you do need to change something. And I also wanted to be a guy who's like, Yasmin said, hey, Jay, said, change this. And I'm going to change it. I'm not going to resist. Even though I love my own copywriting, I'm like, I don't love it as much as I, I like winning in business. So I'm going to let one go. Exactly. There's something that you wrote in, in that same carousel post. And I'm tell everybody right now, if you're not already doing so, you need to follow uh, Jay immediately and start consuming his content because it's really practical, pragmatic, written simply so that you can understand it and have a win immediately. But I saw this one writing hack that was in that same post. And I love this. And I want you to explain it. It says, here's a great writing frame. Start it with Dear Son. Love dad and write your posts. I mean, start with your son, end with love dad, and then delete those two things. Because, because why? Why do you say to do that? And why is that effective? So the dear son framework, the dear son approach in writing is one of my favorite things ever that I've ever thought of. And people have kindled it. They've connected it to Warren Buffett's letters that he wrote to his sister, I think, back in the day. I had no clue about those, by the way, when I came up with Dear Son. I was just so inspired by uh, the fact that I became a father. And what I always struggled myself, uh, I struggled with having this consistent tonality in my content. I felt like, and I feel like a lot of people can resonate with this. When you're talking about a serious topic, your tone of voice changes. When you're talking about something that's a bit more fun, your tone of voice changes. But then as you're going from post to post, from week to week, there's this inconsistency. Every post seemingly sounds different. What I wanted to achieve, both for myself and for the people I work with, for the people I coach, is consistency in the tone of voice, which is huge. 10 years down the line, I want to have the same brand voice. I want people to know what a Yasmin Aliyah post sounds like. Because I always give people this challenge. If you were to cover your avatar, your profile image, your name and your headline, just use your thumb and just cover it, guys. Just cover it. Whose post is it? Just ask yourself, whose post is that? That copy, the text you're currently reading, whose is it? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to crush that challenge completely and win every single time. So I was like, who can I write to consistently? It wasn't about what can I write about. My approach was who can I write to so that every single time I'm writing, it is super clear. The tonality is almost exactly the same. And you can genuinely see that it's me, even if you cover the, the profile image and the name. So I was about to become a father. This was late 2019 when I came up with this. And I was like, I just randomly, Chris, I don't even know how it came about. 
I just started to write a, an email to my son, to my future son. And I wrote, dear son. And then I wrote something and I was like, wait a second, this is actually so approachable, so clear, so humanized. And I was like, let, wait, let me actually do this with a, uh, with a post for a client. Uh, I think it was an email that I was writing at that point. So I wrote an email and it was just so cool, so clear, so endearing. And I was like, can I apply this to everything that I write, especially on LinkedIn? Because early 2020, that's when I first wanted to write on LinkedIn. I failed miserably, but I, I was doing the same approach. So I start, this is, this is the dear son approach to everyone listening. Start every post with addressing a person who's near and dear to your heart. For me, it's my son. I start with dear son. You could pick your best friend, your neighbor, your boss, your manager, whoever is the person that you just feel at ease when you speak to them. Any person in your life, pick that one person and have a conversation with them. How would you explain a copywriting framework, writing hooks, writing rehooks to your son, to your four-year-old son? How would you explain it to them? For me, the answer is simple. I use very simple language. I use super short sentences. I want to make sure that I'm not using jargon, you know, super industrial verbs or words and phrases anywhere. And I want to make sure that every single post is actionable because kids need action, in my case at least. They need action. They need to have specific steps that they can apply immediately. Again, the approach is also don't make them think. Just say what you mean, but say it clearly. And at the very end, you need to do two things as well. You need to inspire and you need to invite a response from them. A lot of people miss these two crucial parts in the end. And then what I do at the very end, I end with love, dad. I want every post to feel like this, Chris. And as soon as I'm done with my post, when I have all these things down and I genuinely feel like I'm having a conversation with my son, I will delete those two parts. I will delete dear son, and I will delete love dad. Don't ask me if I've ever missed deleting one part and sent an email to a client. I did. And it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I missed the signature. It said love dad, Chris. And it was the most awkward conversation I've ever had. <laughs> I really did. This was like four years ago now. Um, but it, yeah, it was fun. Mm. But I always say it's when you're, when you're trying to talk to millions, especially if you have an audience that's in the millions or in the tens of thousands, it's very hard to speak to everybody. But when you're talking to one person and you can clearly convince them, especially if it's a person who's completely out of touch with the topic, then you know you can 100% convince the person who is completely in touch with the topic, like a seasoned expert or, or your ideal customer profile. If you can explain, you, you know the phrase, if you can explain what you do to your grandma or to your parents, you know, you can convince anybody like that's, that's essentially the approach. It's not about writing to millions. It's writing to one as if they're worth 1 million people to you. So for me, the dear son approach works and I've had hundreds, if not thousands of people, Chris, up until this day, try that approach. And I've received so much good feedback. The feedback always is, I feel so at ease when I'm writing. And to me, that's the most beautiful thing ever. A lot of people have writing anxiety and they have posting anxiety, sharing anxiety. They are experts in their field for sure. But when they have to place their content in front of potentially millions of people out there on LinkedIn, 
they get cold feet. They don't know how to express themselves or they feel like it's not the right way of expressing themselves. But when you simply talk to a person you know is going to listen to you, you know is going to understand you, everything becomes much simpler, everything. So the Mm. Dear Son approach is really about that. It's not this crazy, you know, scientific method that's going to boost your writing skill. It's really about making it easy for you to start writing, continue writing, and finish writing. It puts you at ease, complete ease of writing. So yeah, Dear Son, it works. It's an excellent reflection of who you are as a teacher and as a writer. And I'll tell people what I mean. I want to unpack this for everybody. You basically say, if you if you just start with Dear Son and end with Love Dad, it encapsulates so many different complex concepts that everybody can understand intuitively without you explaining it to them. First of all, you're forcing the writer to identify an audience. You're, you're then going to help them establish a consistent tone of voice across time, which is important. You ask them to think positively and to highlight the, the biggest learning outcomes and keep it simple so that the person can follow directions. And then you just want to make sure as you end it that it ends on a very positive note in case you have to give some hard news. And it's just this kind of loving, friendly tone of voice that I think works so well for you and your personality. Like you said, it doesn't have to be son. It could be dear daughter, dear Jane, dear Bob, dear mom, dear dad, somebody that you say that you care a lot about. Because I think in, in this kind of very polarizing political climate that we live in, it's so easy for us to get vitriolic with our writing and to cast stones. And in this way, it's like, even when you have a hard piece of information to give, use kindness, use generosity, use grace when you communicate it to people. And it's going to go a long way in making the internet a friendlier place, a more loving place. And we're, we're all trying to build community anyways. So it's a much stronger approach. And I love that about it. That's a great way to, to frame it. So thank you. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now I, I could sit here and talk to you about all the different writing tips that you have. And I'm sure at, at any point in this episode, you all, if you're interested, will include in the show notes, social media links, anything else. I think there's a masterclass that is theoretically being worked on. I saw that in your profile. Yep. So I know that. And we'll make sure that the links are in the description. But the thing that you're most known for, I think, and the thing that really caught my eye, and I've shared it with other people, is this idea that Posting isn't enough. Commenting is actually a really valid strategy and one that takes a lot of pressure off of you. So let's get in there. You say more comments equals more profile views, which we establish that you are actually inviting people to check out your profile. Previously, mine sucked. Today, it's a little bit better than it was yesterday. So this is good. Now let's get into the theory and the practical tips. I always say that comments are the greatest growth hack on LinkedIn, period. And whenever I tell that to people, they want me to like dive into it and explain it to them. Like, why? If everyone's focused, so focused on posting and especially doing it daily, why are comments all of a sudden more important? So how I explain this to people is I explain this perfect paradox on LinkedIn. And it is just something that not a whole lot of us think about, Chris. Ideally speaking, so you and I, this is a coaching session between you and me, Chris. To Tomorrow you want to amp up your and ramp up your, you know, content creation on LinkedIn, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to increase the frequency of your posts. You want to be like, I want to create more posts, ideally one post every single day, seven days a week, one post every day. And I want every post to be a banger. Every post needs to hit the nail in a coffin. Okay. But here's the paradox. If you post daily, 
daily, ideally speaking, daily. This is a dream for a lot of people. Your audience will only see you once today. Once. If you post at the same exact time, let's say I post at 12.30 Central Standard European Time, 12.30 every day, Chris. My audience will see me once at 12.30 today, and they will have to wait until tomorrow, 12.30 again, to hear from me. We just went from maximum level of content creation down to minimum visibility. That's the paradox. So commenting is there to put you in more places and put you in front of your readers and new audiences more times during the day. So ideally speaking, your readers will see you once per day if you post every single day. That's only seven times per week. That's not enough. That's simply not enough. So that's the paradox. But if you are out there in the feed, constantly supporting others, let's say you're following 20, 30, I follow up to 100 plus people every single day. I try to engage, I fail most of the time, but I'm, I'm there, I'm always in the mix. But here's the difference. If you're posting every day, just posting, that's once every day that a person will see you. But if you're commenting on top of that 20, 30, 50 times per day, people will see you 20, 30, 50 times per day which is a huge difference. And the time commitment for commenting versus writing a post, like it takes an hour sometimes to write one piece of content, Chris, you know this. My carousels take me 10 plus hours. I kid you not, 10 plus hours for each carousel post. Yeah. So the commenting is actually a much wiser time investment. And the good thing about it is you don't even have to post every single day and you're still going to get that same visibility. So... The beautiful thing then, as we dive deeper, I, I, came, across, I came up with this um, concept that I called my LinkedIn commenting matrix. Essentially, it's a psychological breakdown. I think it was 12 steps. I posted this like six months ago. I should probably repurpose that and repost it. So to any, <laughs> any of you listening, that repurposed post is coming. So it's coming. I devised my own LinkedIn commenting matrix where I covered 12 steps of psychology and psychological triggers that happen in our minds from writing a comment all the way until the action of a potential client. So here's the way it works. So the first one is you're just out there writing an opinion, right? You're just responding to a post. Now, if you ask me, there's a better way. A lot of folks, when they write comments on LinkedIn, the natural reaction is you read a post and you want to react to it. So I read something by Chris Doe and it's amazing. And Chris Doe listed these seven amazing techniques. And I will write, oh, Chris, my favorite was six. That was amazing. Thank you. At face value, there's nothing wrong with that comment. You're talking to Chris, very uplifting, very positive, gratitude, all that. Cool. Now, the problem is that comment is only for Chris. And Chris has. How many impressions per day per post? 100,000, 200,000, right? So what you're doing is you're not allowing yourself to be seen by 100,000 more people. So my approach to LinkedIn commenting was different. The concept I teach and I coach all my clients is never comment for the author only. Comment for everyone reading the post. If the post is a movie, your comment should be the post credit scene. Your comments should be in unison talking to the audience with the main post. So if Chris had shared his seven strategies, you know what I would do? 
I would share an eighth one, but I would actually share it in a style of Chris Doe. So one liner introducing it and then three, four lines breaking it down. And then I would thank Chris. Only then would I thank Chris and tell him, great post. Thank you. This was amazing. But what I've just done, psychologically speaking, what I've done is I have now allowed myself to be in front of more people, more eyeballs, because I'm no longer just having this one dimensional conversation with Chris. I am talking to everyone reading the post. But as we move further down the commenting matrix, what we're doing is we're staying on brand. And this is another thing that we sort of miss out. We'll sometimes say something that's completely not aligned with our personality, with our job, with, with ourselves, basically with our name. But what if all those 20, 30, 50 times during the day that you are commenting, every single time people hear from you, they're hearing something valuable. It's like 20, 30, 50 mini posts by Christo every single day. And then as we move further down the line, every single time people see you in their feeds, your brand authority increases. Your brand authority increases. And as we move further, people will be intrigued to click on your profile. So out of one comment especially if you're super early on a post. This is like a key thing that I suggest people to do as a bonus. If you can be early on a post, super good, especially on a post uh, you know, by a creator that gets a ton of engagement, a ton of views. If you can be early, that's a huge bonus because then you get to leverage the post's impressions during the whole lifespan, even if it's just 24 or 48 hours. If that post gets 100,000 impressions, 100,000 views, that's 100,000 potential viewers of your comment because you were there early and you didn't just talk to Chris, you spoke to all of those 100,000 people. So what that's going to result in is a lot of profile clicks. And then we come back to the main part, the first part of the LinkedIn equation, which is profile clarity, Chris, the thing we covered today. If your profile is super clear and you get thousands and tens of thousands of views every single day, inbound, baby. People are clear on what you do. People are, are clear on if it's for them. And if it is, people are clear on where to click and what to buy. So this is how the inbound strategy on LinkedIn works for me. I do a lot of very smart, very strategic commenting that allows me to maximize my exposure, maximize my brand authority. Every single time people see me, I'm teaching something. I am actually coaching for free. And then when you're on the profile, you're like, oh, this is perfect for me. Where do I click? Right here. And as you click there, it takes you to a Calendly booking page. And it's just so easy. So easy to a point where I have to give you this stat, Chris, 90% of the people that book with me, I have never shared one, exchanged one message with them. Not one. They book with me strictly off of the things that they've read in my content, whether it's posts or the comments. And because the profile was so clear and so targeted towards them. I never exchange a single message and yet the money keeps rolling in, the bookings keep, you know, coming in. So to me, that's, you know, how I do inbound on LinkedIn. It's really about maximizing your visibility everywhere, but through high quality content. And the other part of the equation, which is the first part of the equation is a super clear, super targeted profile. Mm. I love this strategy because I've commented, uh, and again, I do things less intentionally as you do. And I think this particular approach or strategy or hack, if you will, 
is great because it doesn't matter if you already have a big following. This is key because like, yeah, well, it's easy for Jay to say there for Chris, they already have a following, people show up and they're like going to engage with your content. So you could have two followers literally drop some valuable comments as a strategy and it has multiple benefits for you. One, you're putting yourself in front of like a really big audience, which is what Jay was saying, but you're also building a relationship with that content creator. You stand out, you stand apart. And this is kind of interesting because I notice from a creator point of view, when people consistently show up and they're, they're adding to the conversation, I know it's good for me because other people are not going to engage even more with it. So it's helping me out a lot. But if you do it two, three, four, or five times, I'm starting to recognize your face. I see your name. And then oftentimes what I'll do is I'll request the, the connection, which is really different. You're flipping the whole equation because it's often difficult for you to connect with big creators because they have an inbox. I'm sure it's very full and they don't know you from Adam, so they're not going to accept it. But if you do it this way, it's more likely they're going to connect with you, which raises your whole profile. Just think about that alone because LinkedIn works with networks, right? My friends' friends are my friends and that's how that works. And that's an awesome thing. But it also takes the pressure from you to writing really great content. You say you, it takes you about an hour. It takes me about two hours to write. Oh, it takes me less it, nowadays, Chris. It takes okay, me way less. Because you're a writer. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I will, it's much so easier for you. My big buddies on LinkedIn are Mr. Luke Matthews and Mrs. Lara Acosta. What mm -hmm. we do is we roast each, other, each other's posts daily. Like we just mm -hmm. will send each other posts if, if they're ready. And then, you know, I'll give them feedback. They'll give me feedback. and. Most of the time, the challenge is sometimes who can write it quicker, but better. And yeah, I'm sorry to say for them, I, I, I always write the fastest. <laughs> um, because I, I used to challenge myself over the years when I was writing copy for clients, like especially billboard ads. Like you're just talking about concepts at that point because it's right. super short copy, like two to three words. So I used to give myself a challenge. How quickly can I write these concepts, you know, brand messaging concepts for the, for the next campaign? And it really helps me when I'm writing LinkedIn posts. Up to a point, Chris, where, and this is going to sound so strange, I have zero posts ready for LinkedIn. At any point, zero. I don't have a post for tomorrow, Chris. I don't have a, any post ready for this week, next week. I don't have anything ready. I write fresh every single night. And at the soonest, I will write my posts the night before, and then I will just schedule them for the morning for 1230. Very frequently, just it just so happens that I have work to do. I have coaching sessions and I have, you know, daddy son duties in the night. So I will have to write super early in the morning. But then when I post at 1230 and at 1210, I have no posts ready. It kind of gives me this huge pressure, but also this right. huge boost to want to write. So Sometimes we'll challenge, you know, challenge each other who's going to write the fastest and I can just whip up a really good, and as Luke says, it's super viral post in 10 minutes. And, you know, it, it really takes time. I always tell people, write daily equals write better daily. So it's really not about publishing the content that you write. It's really about practicing daily. Daily practice. I always say, you know, I hate the phrase practice makes perfect. You can never be perfect. Practice makes better. So... Really practicing your writing daily is, is, is the key to everything. And by the way, just I wanted to tell you something. The approach you shared um, regarding making yourself familiar in the comments and then making a connection with a creator, regardless of the following size, um, that's what I call my warm outreach approach. So I don't do cold outreach at all. We've established that. But what I used to do back in, uh, in 
early, early 2022. So when I first started actively posting on LinkedIn, what I would do is I would show up on the same creator's posts every single day. And after I actually tracked this in a Google sheet, after 10 uh, interactions minimum, minimum 10, that was my base. Only then would I either reach out via a DM or send them a connection request, not sooner. Because I knew my chances of getting a response were much higher. And I, I also you know, teach this to people. If you're trying to do cold outreach on LinkedIn, it's, it's kind of risky because everyone's selling something. Right. And especially if you're doing the in-mail thing, you look salesy. You sound salesy. But if you make yourself familiar over a slightly, I say slightly because two weeks is generally not a whole, you know, not a long period of time. If you make yourself familiar first and you establish hopefully a relationship with the creator, then when you reach out, it's much higher that you're going to get a response and they're going to want to be open to listening to your pitch. If you have a pitch, they're going to want to work with you. Or they, they might just say, you know, hey, you reached out first. I actually wanted to reach out to you, but they never did. Um, right. That you know that happens a lot. So I, I call that my warm outreach approach. So minimum ten interactions in the comments first. Just make yourself familiar first, and then reach out. Not before. Not before ten. Actually track those interactions. I made a note here. I wanted to ask you this question. Okay. What is your most viral post? What was it about? And what are the numbers? Like how much likes or comments did you get from it? Do you do you know? So I will open up my authored up analytics. Also, shout out to authored up, authoredup.com, the best tool for LinkedIn on the market. And their analytics are the best. So Chris, I can give you three different analytics because when you ask me that question for me, being a mad scientist on LinkedIn, for me, the answer is quite, it has to be quite specific. Yes. Are you asking me about my most liked post, my most commented post, or my most reshared post? Because for me, those are all different. Let's go with first your most liked post, the okay. most reactions. And when I say like, because there's different reactions, the, the one that has the highest reactions. So you'd be surprised, but I've never crossed 10K on a post. The most I have is my LinkedIn formatting guide. Mm. And it had 2 million views and it had 9,000, 9.5. So 9,500 likes. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, That's a, lot. a lot. A million views, you said? 2 million. 2 million views. 2 million views on that. Dang. Yep. On a freaking carousel, Chris. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. It's a very good carousel though. So thank it you. makes a lot of sense. And then how many shares did that get? Or repost? That got 602 shares. That's a lot. That explains. Yeah. My my most reshared post is actually something I shared uh, just five months ago. And it was about accessibility and inclusion on LinkedIn. I don't know if you read that post. I repurposed it just, just a couple of just a couple of weeks ago. What I was talking about, Chris, was I found I came across this um, research by WHO, World Health Organization, and it was referenced in this Hootsuite. So Hootsuite, HubSpot, all the social media tools. Hootsuite uh, had this marketing report, and it said that over a third of the world's population has some sort of either hearing or sight impairment. I don't want to say disability because it's a tough word. So yeah. people have trouble reading your posts. A third of the world's population. And I was you know, looking at what I have experience in, in terms of psychology and reading psychology, I was uh, looking at other research online. So I shared my, I think either seven or 10 tips 
of how you can make your posts accessible. How to use emojis. Do you use them at all? Or if you do, where to use them? The reason for this is, Chris, for the people who can't see your posts, they rely on these either software or tools like physical tools called screen readers. So the tool has to read the text out loud. But the problem is, as soon as you format your posts, uh, like for example, you bold certain things, you make it, you know, you make it italic, or you use weird symbols, the screen reader can't verbalize it. Like it will literally, if you've bolded a line, a one-liner on LinkedIn, it wouldn't recognize it as bold, just because LinkedIn doesn't have that bold as a text. It actually turns it into what we call Unicode, Unicode format. And Unicode isn't text. Unicode is symbols. So when you turn it bold, it becomes Unicode. And when screen readers read it, nowadays they're, they, they're getting better with AI. They can recognize Unicode and verbalize it into actual words. But for the most part, they can't. And for a lot of people, it's a huge problem. It's gonna, just going to sound like gibberish. Like It's not even going to sound like language. So I've shared this entire post about how to format your posts. So no uh, bolding, no italics. Um, when you use emojis, use them at the end of a line, not at the beginning. So at the end of a line, because then it's going to verbalize an emoji like raising hands, like, right, you know, the, the emoji. Yeah, so yeah. then it's going to verbalize it like that. Um, different things like using um, acronyms, like LOL is good because it's so universal and familiar. But if you capitalize an entire word, like T-H-I-S, like this, this is the biggest... That's how it's actually going to read it out loud. It's going to tell, like that person is going to be reading, yeah, Chris, but T-H-I-S is the biggest, like it just oh, it sounds see. weird, you know? So I posted this and it got a super huge response, Chris. It was shared 1,200 times. Wow. Yes, that's 1,191 reshares. It had... 1,354 comments and it had 7K likes on a post and it had 700,000 views, almost a milli. So it's amazing what LinkedIn can mm. do, you know. And my most commented while we're on the topic, I actually want to see this. Holy moly. I actually did not know this, Chris. This is new for me. Okay. My most commented post has 2,359 comments. And it is a post about my, it's called the commenting rule I teach all my clients. Rehook, it takes less than two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you see how the psychology of the rehook works I see now? Where you go with this. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. So the post had, let me open it up actually. So the post, I can actually read the post out loud, Chris, if you don't mind. It's actually quite, read it. quite the lesson, quite the approach. Uh, it had 1.8K reactions, 2.4K comments, and 50 reposts only. So it says, the commenting rule I teach all my clients, it takes less than two minutes. The rule is never comment on one post just once. Instead, number one, leave one main comment and make it good. This is the stuff we've already covered earlier on the show. Right. And number two is leave three more replies to others' comments and get up to 4x profile views every single day. More views means more leads, more followers, more conversations, and more potential clients. One plus three. That's the strategy. Happy commenting, LinkedIn. 
P.S. Try it out here. And then people were just doing the one plus three <laughs> underneath that post. Oh, you are a snake. You're a snake yeah. because you taught them something and then you told them what to do. And then, of course, they did it. And so that blows up your post, too. I've seen you do this does. many times. What do you, what you think we're doing? Very here? clever. Very, very clever. I saw you do this on your LinkedIn live, which you said, uh, I'm going to answer 100 questions today. And you said, oh, what's your question? I saw that. And then you're, you're commenting on your LinkedIn live event, which usually doesn't get that kind of reach, had a ridiculous amount of comments on it because yeah. I said, like, well, what, what's Jay doing? I don't understand. It's, oh, of it's course. It's funny that you mention it. Every post that we write, at least in the last, I would say in the last seven months, every post has gotten a thousand comments minimum. And I actually tested this out, Chris. I, I say this as a like as objectively as I possibly can because to me it's just unfathomable. Like it's crazy. It's insane yeah. to even say it out loud. Like it genuinely is. I, I look at my profile and my brand like completely objectively, Chris. Like I just I just look at some of these things and I can say that they're crazy. Like it's it's nuts right. that these numbers are here. So I actually tested this out. I wanted to hire a VA and they had a test run and it took them anywhere from eight to nine hours on average per day to respond to all my comments on every single post. And the average comment count when they responded was 1.8 to 1.9 thousand every single day. Hmm. Now, the problem with that, Chris, is that was only because they managed to respond to all the comments that were already there. So that was like at the end of the day. If they had done it every single day consistently, like the more you respond, the more LinkedIn boosts your posts. So sure. the overall numbers would have been even higher, which to me is just, it blows my mind to this day. Imagine getting 2,000 comments on every single post every single day. It's just humanly impossible to catch up with that. Right. So... I'm very proud of the culture that I've built in the comments on my LinkedIn, on the brand, just because I feel like, and I've spoken to people about this, like I'm very in touch with my community, which, which makes me proud to launch this masterclass finally. I've built this community on LinkedIn where people feel welcome to chat without me. I, I know you were one person in the past, uh, Chris, you were talking about, I don't know how many stages of brand building and the last one was Delight. Remember that conversation you had with someone? Yeah. 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 I feel like for me, that's what the commenting on my profile on LinkedIn is. I don't have to be there for people to still leave a thousand comments. I've built this culture on my brand where people support each other. They talk to each other. They essentially carry every post even without me there. But the fact that I am there, you know, quote unquote, in their words, big creator responding every single day showing up, still sharing 100% of what he knows, that's a delight on top of, you know, what we've built. And it just makes me so happy and so proud, Chris. Honestly, this is, I feel like I've never said this out loud. This is like the first time I'm actually saying it to myself and to the audience, but like, it makes me proud, especially as someone who's coming from where I'm coming from. I feel like we haven't even touched on that. I'm coming from Bosnia and Herzegovina, man. Yeah, It's a country with less than 4 million people. Like you, most people have not even heard about Bosnia. You know, I need a visa in 99% of countries wherever I travel <laughs> other than Europe. You know, it's like the funniest thing. And there you go. You have this like global presence, people from all around the world, Fortune 500 companies, like millionaires and billionaires. You work with all these people and you help them grow. Right. How? Just by sharing 
what has worked for you, it's it's crazy. Like it's it's the simplest, but also the craziest thing ever. And when I genuinely say like anyone can do it, I really mean anyone can do it. And I, I don't say this just to sound motivational for, for the listeners. Like I genuinely feel like if you apply the strategies that have worked already for others and just tweak it a little bit for yourself. And if you go into it with the right intentions, you know, it's not all about monetization. It's truly about changing lives. And um, over the years, I've, I've learned that, honestly. Like, we are truly out there. Like, every post can change a person's life. Heck, I, I received a message from someone saying they quit a job for me. Mm. Like, I quit my job because of you. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> what my answer was, like, like, my genuine answer was, why? Why would you do it? And they're like, right. you've taught me so much. And I've sh- uh, applied all of your strategies, the commenting, the inbound and this, and I'm getting my own clients and I can quit my job finally. And I'm like, at that point, Chris, I realized we're not just out here writing posts and trying to get maximum reach. We're actually changing lives out there. And it's, and it's the most amazing, mm-hmm. but also the craziest, the spookiest thing ever. And I'm, and I'm happy. I'm proud yeah. and I'm happy, honestly. It's very validating it's heartwarming and it goes to this thing where somebody told me this because I've I mentioned this a couple of times. I'm a comics book guy, right? So Stan Lee writes this line, with great power comes great responsibility. And I, I would say that quite often. And then they said, no, Chris, it's actually with great responsibility comes great power. That's good. So here you are taking on this thing and it is very, I just want to say to our audience, it's very meta because Yasmin is like, the, the commenting guy, the commenting guru, the guy who made it popular on LinkedIn that he's known for. So of course, the audience he builds is going to want to comment because that's the strategy which you lead in. But you know, when you do something good, you attract the right kinds of people, especially if you're writing this dear son thing and you're, you're sending this message of positivity, you're empowering folks to achieve their dreams. The community that forms is really tight and they're positive people because you're a positive person. So people would, 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 would say on my, my post, like, I'm here for the comments. Like, Chris, it's nice to know you, but I'm really here for the comments because I get to see my friends and we're interacting. We're asking each other questions. And I get to stand back just like you, like a little bit of a proud papa, like, hey, this is very humbling. It's so cool to see. It's so neat that you guys are going to play with each other. And I just made the sandbox big enough for all of us to play in. You're a guy from Bosnia. I'm a guy originally from Vietnam. And here we are making an impact on a scale which it's kind of unfathomable. And it's, it's such a nice feather in our caps, right? Like, congratulations to you. Hey, man, thank you. And coming from you, by the way, I need to give you your flowers. We've spoken in the DMs and in the comments in particular, but I've never told you in person, like how much of an impact you've had on me directly, Chris. Like I go way back to when you first started creating content on YouTube. Like I remember those early videos. Oh, wow. I remember those, like, I remember those first workshops, the Melinda Mivzies of the world. Mm-hmm. I remember the the freaking making a brand, building a brand documentary yes. that you did and all that. Like all of those early future pro workshops that you and Mo would have, like you would go at each other's throats and all that. <laughs> yeah, I remember all of those. And I, yeah. let me tell you, you have shaped me as a businessman more than any other person I know. And... The book that you have, The Pocket Full of Dough, you know, the collection of insights and messages you have in there, it has been my favorite thing ever. I've, oh, thank you I've so told much. everybody about the book, Pocket Full of Dough. It's possibly my favorite book 
ever. I I don't want to say it to your face just so you don't get all <laughs> Hollywood on me, but sorry, my my cap got a little tighter. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but no, seriously, I just wanted to say thank you. And everyone who knows me knows how much I admire you and how much I've followed you over the years and how much I've learned from you. So it's a good things come in full circle moment for me yes. right here, right now. So mm. thank you for that. Well, thank you so much, man, for saying that. I've been talking to Yasmin, otherwise known as Hey Jay, and he he does incredible things on LinkedIn. You owe yourself a favor. If you got any kind of value, and I don't know how you would not get value from our conversation today, go on LinkedIn immediately, give him a follow. It's Yasmin Alec, and you can look him up. And of course, we'll include it in the show notes. And there's things that we didn't even get a chance to talk about. So I'm going to tease all of you here. Not only does he go into the writing tips and, and very easy bite-sized ways to understand it, he gets into formatting. So now we're just not talking about the words, but how to format it so that people visually look at formatted, it. mind you, visually. Visually. Like here he has a writer thinking about how it breaks and how it looks on screen. So you have maximum opportunity for people to look at it. And here's a really cool part. Once you get into the rhythm, he and I and other people on, on platforms like this are able to grow our following from 100 to 1,000 people every day, every single day, and even on days that we don't create content. And we didn't get to talk about reasons why he believes building a personal brand is important. He gives 17 spectacular reasons. Read that post and read everything else that he's got out there. He spends a lot of time, in theory, because he's like only a couple hours or 15 minutes, in writing these powerful, easy-to-consume, highly actionable things on LinkedIn. Before I let you go, you mentioned a couple of tools. So I want to go over the tools real quick with you, okay? Mm, you mentioned okay. Authored Up for analytics. Authored Up for post formatting, post previewing, and analytics. Literally the only LinkedIn tool I use. When people ask me what sort of LinkedIn toolkit I have, I literally just mention Authored Up and that's it. That's it. That's it. Do you use uh, something for scheduling? Uh, Authored Up actually has LinkedIn's native scheduling built in. There you so go. So you Again. won't get banned. You won't get suspended. <laughs> Beautiful. And if you need to have a couple of more profile images, you can use sectalabs.ai, right? Yes, sectalabs.ai. I believe that's the website. Um, it's actually super good for headshots. So if, you, okay. if you're someone who can't afford paying $500, $1,000, however, however much it right. costs in your area to go to a professional photo studio and get your headshots taken, Sector will actually give you 300 plus headshots and you can just pick and choose and you can also customize them. You can instruct the AI to change your facial expression, your outfit, your background, whatever. Any other tools that you want to mention? Well, I use this tool. It's actually a pretty weird Chrome extension called Edit Anything. And when I was on your profile, I was actually editing the text in real time, Chris. So I use this, <laughs> I use this text. Yeah, I use this, I use this um, edit anything extension a lot with my clients. When I'm doing live demos, actually a lot, uh, a lot, I use this a lot of my workshops. So if I'm doing a website review session for, you know, copywriting clients and I'm reviewing their website, I will actually open up the website and it's just this quick toggle on and off in the extensions tab on Chrome when you turn it on, it recognizes any and all text, like literally any text in the browser. And you can just click on it and edit in real time. And it's actually responsive. Like if you're using a web builder like Squarespace Webflow, it will actually move the page up and down if your copy gets longer or shorter. It's amazing. Wow. So I, I suggest this tool a lot to early stage freelancers, especially folks who don't have 
a strong portfolio, so they don't have a lot of experience. So what I tell them is, you can go and do mock projects. This is a quick little freelancing tip for for a lot of folks who um, are struggling to build portfolios. So what I tell them is, you can do mock projects. Let's say you go to apple.com, you go to their website. And what you can do is turn the extension on, rewrite Apple's website, and take a screenshot of the entire website and put it in your portfolio. Just highlight the fact that it's a mock project. But the fact is, the projects in your portfolio don't have to be real. Your skill and your talent has to be real. So you only have to demonstrate to the client that you can do it. The fact that you still haven't gotten any clients, that they're going to be your first, that's completely irrelevant. But the fact that you have shown that you can take a real world piece of product out there and make it your own, that's, that goes a long way into getting and signing a client. So edit anything. That's what it's called. It's actually written together, no spaces in between. That's a Chrome extension and it works like a charm. I use it a lot in my workshops. And every single time I use it, Chris, people are like, what are you doing? Are you hacking my profile? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm, I'm literally just using an extension. I'm telling you, <laughs> like I'll do this a lot with LinkedIn headlines when I'm rewriting it. Yeah. You know, a profile with people live on a call. I'll turn this on and then I'll just tell them, yeah, let me let me just check how this headline would sound like. And then they're just giving me a look like, what, what's going on? Are you what are you doing on my profile? I mean, am I going to mm. get banned? No, it's just an extension. Mm. But yeah, it's a cool extension. So authored up, sector labs, edit anything. That's literally it. I don't use a lot of tools. I'm 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 try to keep it simple. I try to keep it clean. Um, yeah, that's that's all the tool I t- tools I use. Wonderful. Look, you, we can't even get a tools list from you without you adding more value to this. Because what you said there for outreach, I get hit up by a lot of writers. People are like, oh, yeah, I can fix all your stuff. I'm like, I don't know. So they literally could go in, edit anything, and then just send that to me and say, look, here's my take exactly. on it. Exactly. If you want to have a conversation, let's have a conversation. Show, Start. don't tell, right? Show, That's don't right. tell. Lead with value. It's beautiful. Love it. Wow. Okay. I know I can talk to you for for a whole lot longer. You have to eat. I have to eat. We have to rest up for our next thing. And uh, I'm going to encourage everybody once again to go give you a follow on LinkedIn. Everybody just do that right now. And I want to wish you and your boy an early happy birthday. Thank you, man. Really means a lot. And also, thank you for the conversation, Chris. Like I said, it's a things coming full circle moment for me. So I'm glad to be here. And I hope this isn't the last time you and I talk. Absolutely. It's not going to be the last time for sure. My name is Yasmin Alich, and you're listening to The Future. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Stuart Schuster. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by reviewing and rating our show on Apple Podcasts. It will help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.